Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Little Ray of Health podcast. It has been a very long time, um, probably a month since I released an episode. I am so sorry. I'm about to tell you, I feel like, do you guys know that trending audio on Instagram um, from a while back? It's like from those old movies or TV shows where it's like the like playback sound where it's like, whoop, yep, that's me. And I bet you're wondering how I got here. That's how I feel right now. So I'm going to explain it. Okay, that sounds very dramatic. (laughs) I promise it's not that crazy. Um, But last time I released an episode, it was right before I was headed to YWLS in Dallas. So the Young Women's Leadership Conference, which was put on by Turning Point USA, it was incredible. I spoke on a panel with three other women. It was led by Alex Clark. It was incredible. It was seriously a dream come true. Like the conference itself, the breakout session, the panel, everything was amazing. And it had, I think Alex told me it had the biggest turnout of any breakout session at any one of their events ever, which is insane. The room capacity, I think, was probably a couple hundred and they had to turn away over a hundred women because we were at capacity. It was just, it was insane. And getting to meet so many of you and hug you and squeeze you and meet you in real life was the coolest thing ever. Like most rewarding, most fulfilling makes all of this worth it. Not that none of it, not that it's not worth it, but I've said before, like, it's just me in my house creating content. Like I basically work for myself and yes, I get DMs and I talk to people and I talk to women and all of that. And I hear testimonials, but meeting y'all in person was unmatched next level I love it and I can't wait to do it again I definitely want to host some kind of event of my own one day but yeah I'll plan that later I'll figure that out later but that's definitely on the vision board anyways where have I been for the past month um okay so YWLS was amazing but here's what happened to me at the conference I flew out on a Friday and I was in such a groove before this, sleeping like a baby, I guess like a rock. I don't, babies don't sleep that well. Sleeping like a rock, sleeping so good in such a good groove. Um, I was so excited for this event. And to give you a little backstory, I am a very sensitive girly. I'm a sensey girly, always have been. Sensitive nervous system. I get overstimulated really easily, but I am a big people person. Like I love being around people. It lights me up. I love it so much. But I'm one that like needs to leave the party early and go home and like chill out for at least an hour to an hour and a half before I can go to bed. Like that's just how I've always been. So anyways, I fly out to Dallas. I get there on a Friday. I get there at 5 p.m. The event is already going. So it was going from like 5 to 8. And then we had like a little influencer mixer meetup thing, which was so fun. Um, It was 70s theme. So we all dressed up. So much fun. Um, And I stayed out, I guess, later than I usually would. I didn't get back to the hotel room until like 11 p.m. And the next day is when I was going to speak on that panel. Now, I love public speaking. Of course, I get nervous, but I love it. Once I'm up there, I'm in the zone. I love it so much. And this was the first time I've ever spoken in front of that many people, like in real life, live. I've hosted master classes that have had like 500 plus women or people in general, probably mostly women, but um, nothing in person like that where I'm like on the spot, I'm on a stage, I have a microphone. So yeah, I was a little nervous. 
Um, and so that night I get back to the hotel room and, you know, take my makeup off. I get ready. I get in bed. Y'all, I had, I don't want to call it a panic attack or an anxiety attack, but it's something that's never happened to me before. But I guess it's like common if basically your nervous system is triggered and you're in like fight or flight. I had full body tremors, like full body, like convulsing. It was the craziest thing. It was like I was being electrocuted. Like that's how much my body was shaking. My teeth were chattering. My like knees were knocking together because my legs were shaking so bad. And it would come in waves and it probably lasted about three hours. So it started around 11, like when I got in bed, it started and it came on slow at first. And then it was very intense for about an hour straight. Uh, it was really scary. Honestly, it was probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me, especially being alone in a hotel room in a place where I don't really know anyone. I'm in like, I just, I'm far from home. No one's around. Luckily, Daniel was awake at the time and I called him and he talked to me basically the whole time it was happening. He like kept me calm because I was like, should I call an ambulance? Like, should I call 911? Like, what do I do? I have to speak tomorrow. I was freaking out. Um, but I just drank water and I had electrolytes with me. So I put electrolytes in because obviously if you're like convulsing, you have like these tremors, it's activating your muscles. So I know that I knew that I would like need electrolytes, but it was very scary, like very scary not to feel in control of your body. And also I was very calm. Like I wasn't panicky. Um, so that was like the weird thing is like, I was getting all cozy in bed and then this whole thing triggered, which now I'm looking now that after I like looked into it, I'm guessing I was stuck in what they call sympathetic dominance. So like your nervous system is just super activated your fight or flight. So anyways, that happens the first night. Um, I get maybe four hours of sleep and then the like first full day of the conference is that next day, Saturday. I'm running on pure adrenaline, but I am so excited. I am so excited for this conference. I'm excited to speak. I'm so excited meeting everyone. So I'm just on a high and I speak. The panel was amazing. Like I said, it was so much fun. Oh, also I'll link it below. They recorded it and it's on YouTube. So I'll link it below. It was about 45 minutes long. It was me, Dr. Courtney, who's like a nervous system focused chiropractor. And then Karen, who on Instagram is pain-free birth. She talks about home birth education and having a pain-free birth. So it was amazing. I'll link it below. I spoke and then, you know, we just kind of took it easy that day because I was so tired. I got dinner with a friend and then I went back to the hotel room at like nine o'clock and wow, this is a really long story. So if you're still listening, hello, I love you. Thank you for sticking around. I promise I'm going to end it soon and then we're going to do a Q&A. But I get back to the hotel room that night and I, I'm like, for sure, I'm so exhausted. Like it's over. I was so anxious for it, but it happened. It was amazing. It's over. I'm going to sleep like a rock tonight. Think again. It happened to me once again that night it started around 10 p.m. Again, like full body tremors, shaking, like convulsing, like teeth chattering. Like it was this, it was the craziest thing. And it lasted about three hours again. So at around 2 a.m., when I still couldn't sleep, I just changed my flight home. I actually didn't end up even going to the conference for the third day. I changed my flight home. I came home. 
And I came home on Sunday. It was like 12 hours of travel, though, because the, when I switched my flight, there was a layover. It was just wild. I'm going on like seven hours of sleep in two days. You guys, I got such little sleep. My aura ring logged it as a nap, not even as sleep. It was like, nice, you had a nap. Um, and then I get home and I sleep like a baby that night for like that night and the next night. And then some other stressors in my like work stress, just things that I had to get done. I was dealing with taxes, just some of like personal stressors that then re-triggered my nervous system. And after that, so that was like three weeks ago for two weeks, I was not sleeping well. So like I would be super like accelerated, accelerated, increased heart rate, just super anxious for about two weeks straight. I really just focused on trying to support my nervous system, staying off social media. That's why you guys probably didn't see me. I didn't record podcasts. I really just took it easy. I focused on my nervous system. I got acupuncture done. I got massages. I got lymphatic drainage and I really just chilled out. And after about two weeks, finally, this past week, I have been sleeping so good. I'm back to my normal self, back to 100%, back to sleeping like a baby again. So that is where I've been for the past month. It's It's been a wild ride. And I think the scariest part of like when I don't know if you've ever struggled with insomnia or trouble sleeping and it starts to happen multiple nights in a row, you start to like dread going to sleep. Like I would look at our bed in our bedroom and I'd be like, nope. Like even looking at it would give me anxiety. So I then almost canceled my trip to go see my best friend in Idaho, but I didn't because she was like, if you cancel, I'm going to kill you (laughs) because I haven't seen her in like a year. And I was like, well, if I'm already not sleeping at home, what's the worst that could happen? I'd at least rather be with my best friend in Idaho, like on, you know, a ton of acres, ton of acreage they have just in the middle of the wilderness. It was so healing. It was amazing. It was amazing. We just acted like little lizards. We just chilled in the sun every day for like four days straight. It was amazing. So I think that also really helped me kind of reel it in and slow down. So anyways, (laughs) that is the long story of where I've been for the past month. I am back. I am so sorry that I've been gone. Um, Just dealing with real life stuff, you know, and sometimes that has to happen. So I am back. And today we are diving in to a Q&A. Okay, first I'm going to answer some hormone health ones and then I'm going to answer some like personal ones. There's some about conspiracy theories on here, like what do I believe? So this is going to be a fun little mix of business and personal. And business for me is hormones. It's Hormones are literally what I like eat, sleep, and breathe. It is everything in my brain Honestly, my brain is probably 50% conspiracy theories and 50% hormones. So this is going to be really fun. Um, Okay, first question. How do you prep your body to get off birth control? This is a question I get asked so often. And then she says, is cold turkey a bad idea? Yes. Do not get off birth control, cold turkey. I mean, you can, but I really recommend following a protocol like the one I outlined inside the Balance Bay Blueprint. If you're new here, the Balance Bay Blueprint is my online course. It's a self-paced online course that teaches you how to use food as medicine to balance your hormones. And there's eight video modules on nutrition, sleep, stress, cycle tracking, supplements, routines, 
Um, and then I also have master classes. So one of the master classes I have is called Breaking Up with Birth Control, and it outlines the steps to follow to get off birth control and what you should do before getting off to prep your body and support your body during the transition. So it's super easy and you don't have like what they call post birth control syndrome which can happen if you go cold turkey. It can actually trigger autoimmune diseases. It can trigger PCOS. So I really don't recommend going cold turkey. I really recommend prepping your body. Like I said, I have a whole masterclass inside my online course. And if you leave me a podcast review and you screenshot it and either DM it to me or email it to me, you get $100 off the Bounce Bay Blueprint. So feel free to do that as well. But no, I do not recommend going off cold turkey. And I outline a whole protocol in my online course. Because look, birth control, it messes with your gut. It depletes you of essential vitamins and minerals. It suppresses your natural hormone cycle. So if you just get off cold turkey and you basically just like leave your body to figure it out. Like if you haven't followed any protocol for anything, no nutrition protocol, supplements, detoxing, anything like that, it's going to freak your body out. And it's going to cause like this ripple effect in your hormones or this domino effect that is not fun to deal with. So I really don't recommend going off cold. Ooh, this is a good one. Why are seeds good for you, but not seed oils? Now, I totally understand where this question comes from. It's very confusing of like, if it's good to eat nuts and seeds, then why can't we eat seed oils? The issue is in the processing. The way that they process these seed oils, the chemical process that it goes through is horrendous. Not to mention after they're processed, they're not heat stable. So then if you're heating up these oils, they become very unstable and very inflammatory. And so it's just best as often as you can to eat foods in their whole form. That's just what it comes down to is once you extrapolate something, you turn a seed into a seed oil, what you have to go through to do that messes with the actual like makeup of the seed and messes with the process. So obviously that's why I recommend using what I call fruit oils. So avocados, olives, coconuts, those are actually all technically fruits. And it makes sense that you could get oil out of them. Olives, very fatty, very oily, same with coconuts, same with avocados. So it makes sense that you could easily turn these things into oils without a super intense chemical process. There's a super scientific way that I could have explained that, but that's just the casual layman's terms. Next question, what is the best way to lose weight without hurting your hormones? Now, there is definitely, there are ways. I think in the hormone health community, a lot of people hate on women wanting to lose weight. And it's like, no, you should just accept your body the way it is and don't restrict and don't cut calories. No, there's a way that you can do it without hurting your hormones, without hurting your metabolism. There's a way to get to a healthy weight. And you know what? What's crazy is that most of my clients and me included when I began my health journey, I lost weight without trying. By working on the foundations of good metabolic health, which is what I teach in my online course, I have so many clients and so many women inside the Bounce Bay Blueprint who are like, I've lost 10 pounds and I haven't even tried. And so the top three tips that I would give someone wanting to lose weight without hurting their hormones is to prioritize protein. So make sure you're getting about 30 grams of protein in each meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Do not skip dinner. Do not intermittent fast. Don't do any of that nonsense. 
30 grams of protein at each meal. Get eight to 10,000 steps a day. So stay active during the day. This is what we call non-exercise or non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Yes, NEAT. So you want to increase your NEAT. Again, I know people roll their eyes, but park further in the parking lot, park further away, take the stairs, get up if you're on a phone call, maybe pace around your house. Do all of these things that are going to increase your activity so that you're not sedentary for a long period of time. This will increase your overall calorie expenditure. And then I would suggest lifting weights. So doing some kind of resistance training, even if it's body weight, it doesn't have to necessarily be lifting weights if you're starting out on a journey, but that is a really good way to build muscle. The more muscle you have, the more fat and calories you can burn. So I also think muscle is so, so, so important for blood sugar for so many different reasons, but then lifting weights three to four times a week, even just 30, 20 to 30 minutes a day. So those are the three things that I would focus on. Make priority, make priority, make protein your priority, stay active and lift weights three to four times a week. And then obviously avoid inflammatory foods. So avoiding refined sugar, avoiding gluten, avoiding super processed dairy or conventional dairy. So dairy that's not organic or grass fed. Those would be my top tips. And if you're someone who doesn't have an issue counting calories, you don't have like a past of disordered eating or anything like that, I think counting calories just to be aware of your portions and aware of where you're at and how much you're eating can be really helpful. But um, I also teach in my online course a meal template to follow where there are correct portion sizes. So if you follow the meal template for all three meals, you should be at adequate calories. And focus on sleep. Sleep is so important for every single process in your body. So focus on sleep. If your two choices are to get seven to eight hours of sleep or to get six hours and wake up early to get your workout in first thing in the morning, you're going to choose sleeping seven to eight hours, okay? You are not going to sacrifice sleep to work out. It is counterproductive. Okay, last question for the hormone health related ones. And this one is about kind of about cycle syncing. So the question is, how do I change my daily routine during the different phases of my cycle? Also, I've been thinking about doing four separate episodes for each phase of the menstrual cycle, just quick ones, like they'd be only seven to 10 minutes long each. Uh, let me know if you want that just to explain the phases more. Again, this is something that I deep dive into in my online course, but I would just scratch the surface with these podcast episodes just to give you a little bit of insight. But anyways, how does my daily routine change over the course of the month or, or the course over the, I cannot talk today and I'm not even going to edit it out over the course of the month. So menstrual phase, I am very lax with my routine. I let myself sleep in. I really let myself relax. Again, it's only about three to four days. And I really let myself go to bed early if I want to go to bed early, sleep in if I want to sleep in. Um, I do drink coffee on my period. So I'll still do my same morning. I make sure I have a really nourishing breakfast though. So usually it's like steak. I'm not doing eggs right now. So it'll be like steak and potatoes or grass-fed beef and potatoes, a really good hearty breakfast. And then I'll do my coffee and nighttime routine. My nighttime routine is always the same. No matter what, my nighttime routine does not change, has not changed for years. I know I talked about this in my routine episode. I am such a routine freak. 
you can ask Daniel. I'm an actual psychopath about my routines. Um, but my nighttime routine, I start getting ready for bed at like 845. I take my makeup off. I do my skincare routine. I put my frownies on and then I put on my blue light blocking glasses uh, then I make my nighttime magnesium. Right now, I've been using someone else asked me what my favorite magnesium is. I'm using the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough Powder, which now you can buy it at Sprouts. So I love that. It's, it is very pricey, though. I will say it's pricey, but it is the most comprehensive like magnesium supplement out there. It has all forms of magnesium, highly bioavailable, so good for you. So that's my favorite one, bio-optimizers. And so I make my, my magnesium drink. And then I also add a little bit of tart cherry juice to it. Tart cherry juice, different than normal cherry juice. Very specific, tart cherry. It actually contains the precursor to melatonin. So instead of taking a melatonin supplement, if you drink tart cherry juice, it increases your body's natural production of melatonin. So I make my little magnesium cocktail and then I will get in bed. Me and Daniel, I know I talk about like no screens before bed, but I do like to watch a little show before I go to bed. A very calm show, nothing like cortisol inducing. I wear my blue light blocking glasses. We'll watch a show. I then usually around like 9.30, I put in my earplugs. I put on my eye mask. I put on my mouth tape. And I go to bed. My phone is on airplane mode, which used to freak me out. Because I'm like, what if something happens in my family? What if someone needs to reach me? Honestly, I'm such a heavy sleeper that I probably would not wake up from a phone call. Anyways. So yeah, that is my, my nighttime routine. Always. It does not. Even when I go to a hotel, you guys, I bring my magnesium. I bring everything. I'm crazy. Um, but anyway, so back to my morning routines or my daily routine, I guess for my follicular phase, I then, I usually wake up around five 30 or six. So during my follicular phase, I definitely have more energy. I will usually go to the gym in the morning. I'm also a morning workout girl. If it doesn't happen in the morning, chances are it's not happening unless Daniel drags my ass to the gym, <laughs> um, like against my will. I am just, I've never been like an afternoon or nighttime workout kind of person. So I will go to the gym first thing. If I'm going to the gym first thing before I have like a proper breakfast, I'll usually have a piece of avocado toast or something smaller. I'll just make like a little protein shake, just something in my system before I work out. I do take pre-workout, but it's caffeine free. So it just has like um, what's the, what's the thing that makes you tingle? Beta alanine, beta alanine. There's some maca in there. I think there's a couple different herbs, adaptogens. I love it. I use the just ingredients pre-workout. It's amazing. I use the strawberry limeade flavor. It's so good. The link for just ingredients is always in the show notes to the podcast also. So follicular phase, I definitely, I'm feeling energy. I'm feeling good. I work out in the morning. I do weights and cardio. My typical workout routine is like 10 minutes of warm-up cardio, which is just like walking, incline, walking on the treadmill, and then about a 25-minute workout, and then probably another 10 minutes on the treadmill. So a total of about 45. If I have less time, I'll do five minutes on the treadmill, 20-minute workout, five minutes on the treadmill again. But I love the warm-up and cool-down on the treadmill. 
I also focus on really slow, controlled breathing during my cool down on the treadmill just to bring my body back to a rest and digest state. While you're working out, obviously cortisol is pumping, everything's going. Um, Actually, inflammation markers are turned on in your body. So after your workout, do not eat right away. I know this used to be a thing of like, you have to eat protein right after your workout. Don't do that. You need your body to come back into rest and digest mode before you can do any of that. So I really suggest waiting at least a half an hour after you work out to eat. So after I work out, I'll come back, I'll eat a breakfast. Now, obviously I do switch up my foods depending on what phase I'm in. But the crazy thing is, and you'll find this, let me know if you've been like cycle syncing somewhat. I'm not hardcore, but I do incorporate certain foods during different times to support my gut, support my hormones, blood sugar, all that good stuff. But what I've found is like the more in tune I am with my body, I start to crave the foods that I should be eating during that phase anyways. So like, for example, during my follicular phase, which is when you want like fermented foods, vinegary foods, and like eggs, fats, avocados, things like that, that is what I crave. I cannot get enough olives and pickles and sauerkraut during my follicular phase. It's crazy. So then moving into ovulation, ovulation is a really cool time. It's my favorite time. It's the sexiest time. You are confident. You are glowing. You're sexy. You can actually get away with less sleep during ovulation, which is really fascinating. So I find that during that time, I sleep less, but I feel amazing. So I'll get like maybe seven hours of sleep, even six and a half sometimes, and I feel great. Again, it's just for about three days, but my body will naturally wake up earlier I still have great energy, so I just go with it. During ovulation, this is when I really try to like push myself. I do HIIT workouts. I lift heavy. I really get that energy out. So if my daily routine, I would say it like it doesn't change drastically during each phase of my cycle. I would say it changes the most during my luteal phase and menstrual phase. Follicular and ovulation are very similar. Um, And like I said, I'm a morning workout girl. So even during my luteal phase, which I'll talk about now, I do cut caffeine down or out. So I'll do like a bone broth hot chocolate in the morning or like a maca hot cocoa in the morning instead of caffeine. And this is just to keep cortisol low because our stress stress threshold is lower during this time. Our immune system is also slightly suppressed. This is why it's really important during our follicular phase to increase vitamin C rich foods and support our gut So that during our luteal phase, when our immune system is slightly suppressed, we don't get sick. If you're someone who who you you're like, I always get sick right before my period. There's a reason for that. You need to support your gut and load up on vitamin C rich foods in your follicular phase. Or I mean, obviously all phase, all phases, all phase long, all month long. Um, What else? Oh, I've been loving um, peak tea has a vitamin C, like an elderberry vitamin C supplement. So I've been taking that and I love that. Also, Armra Colostrum has changed my life. Changed my life 100%. I will take it forever now. Um, It got rid of my seasonal allergies, which I used to have. It has really drastically improved my gut health, my hair, my skin, everything got better once I started taking Armour and taking it consistently. This isn't one of those things that you're like, oh, I'll just take it when I feel like it. No, you definitely want to take this daily. Um, But it actually did replace my probiotic. 
So if you're like, Emily, I cannot pay for another supplement. I cannot afford this. This is getting insane. Ditch your probiotic and take Armra. So yeah, during my luteal phase, I really limit caffeine. I really make sure I'm supporting my blood sugar. We are actually more insulin resistant during this phase. So I really avoid refined sugar. I avoid alcohol. I avoid excess caffeine. I'm not saying I don't still have dessert or sugar or chocolate or anything like that. I just make sure I'm avoiding things with a ton of sugar and I'm prioritizing protein over carbs. So follicular phase, you are more insulin sensitive. So it's a better time for more carbs. But during your luteal phase, Again, you do not need to cut out carbs, but you really want to be intentional about the kind of carbs you're having and make sure they're like starchy veggies and full of fiber. And during my luteal phase, my workouts do change a bit. I do still work out. I am still active. I always get eight to 10,000 steps a day, even if I don't have a workout, just to keep my body moving. It makes me feel my best. It really, I notice that if I don't, like my digestion is affected, my mood is affected. So always getting eight to 10,000 steps. But during the, the second half of my luteal phase, so like the week before my period, I really dial back my workouts. Maybe I just do incline walks. Maybe I just do some like at-home Pilates, some yoga, stretching, light workouts, nothing crazy. This is not a time to lift super heavy or do HIIT workouts because like I said, our stress threshold is lower. So we want to make sure we're not jacking our heart rate up, drinking a ton of coffee, going out, drinking alcohol, eating cheesecake. Like let's just chill out on all of that for just a week, you know, just a week. Okay, I feel like I really rambled there. Um, not sure if that answer even made sense or you were able to follow me. But yeah, that's how my daily routine kind of changes over the course of the month. Not much. It's just small tweaks. I'm changing what I'm eating. I'm changing maybe my protein sources, adding more carbs here or eating less carbs there, adjusting my workout slightly, but nothing crazy. Cycle syncing shouldn't feel like a chore. If there's anything I want to leave you with today, it's that it should not feel like a chore and you don't have to go like full force. You don't have to look at the cycle syncing foods chart and be like, these are the only foods I can eat this phase. No, no, no. I will do an episode on cycle syncing and then I'll make it all much more simple. I actually, maybe I have an episode on cycle syncing. Scroll back to the beginning because I'm pretty sure I do. Okay, now we're going to answer some fun some are fun questions, personal questions. The first one, I guess, is kind of health-related, but it's how to live life stress-free. It's impossible. Um, or she said, live your life with full potential. I think, again, this comes back to this idea of really regulating your nervous system because, look, we are always going to be stressed. We cannot live a stress-free life. Even if you live on a farm in the middle of nowhere, yeah, you're going to have less stress, but you're still going to have stress. It, we can't get away from it. So it's really about learning how to modulate our stress, how to really support our nervous system, how to practice lowering stress when we feel it, and getting rid of the stress that is unnecessary. Okay, because there is unnecessary stress that we put on ourselves all the time, whether it's scrolling on Instagram and comparing ourselves to other people or financial stress. We can learn how to budget. We can find a side hustle, find secondary income, become an affiliate for someone, grow our Instagram, find creative outlets, things like that. But I think what I've learned lately is that stress is unavoidable and 
a lot of the times it's self-inflicted. At least for me, um, I stress about things that don't matter. And so I found that therapy and meditation are extremely effective for me. Um, I'm not a big journaler. I'm really not. I wish I was, but I like to write lists about the things that I need to do. Honestly, it's going to sound silly, but the biggest thing that has helped me is meditation, getting quiet. I am someone who, honestly, I think I've had a dysregulated nervous system for probably my whole entire life because I can remember even in kindergarten when all the other kids would nap, I would not nap. I can remember staring at the ceiling in kindergarten being like, what are we doing next, guys? And even up until recently, you can ask, ask my man, ask Daniel, I did not know how to relax. Like it would be a Sunday afternoon and we would have nothing to do. And he'd be like, want to just like cozy up and watch a movie? And I'm like, what? No, we have to go do things. Let's go out. Let's do this. Or like if he wanted to stay in bed for a little bit and just cuddle and chill in the morning, I could not do it. I'd be like, nope, we need to get up. We can't be lazy. We need to be productive. We need to do things. And recently, I really just leaned in. I'm in my soft girl era. I'm in my supporting my nervous system era. And I hope you all will join me because nothing, I'm telling you, nothing is more important than your peace of mind and a regulated nervous system, especially if you're someone who's dealing with bloating, gut issues, hormone issues, IBS, those are all have, they all have such a massive component of your nervous system being activated. If you are chronically stressed and you have a dysregulated nervous system, even if you temporarily heal, chances are those symptoms are going to come up again. Because if our fight or flight is activated, our immune system is suppressed and we are going to backslide at some point. So Join me in the soft girl era, but yeah, you can't live a life stress-free, but you can eliminate unnecessary stressors and then learn better ways of coping. Oh, I love this next question so much. It's, what has God been teaching you lately? Oh, a lot of things. What is he not teaching me all the time? I would say What I'm learning lately when I really get quiet and I listen and I read my Bible and I get quiet, it's surrender. I have always tried to control things and if it doesn't go my way, I really freak out. Like I said, I'm such a routine person and I've always been pretty type A and I think there's something so beautiful to surrendering to God's plan. And letting go of your plan and the way that you think things need to happen because we're not in charge here. There is a greater plan. He has a plan for us. And no matter how hard it feels to trust that, because believe me, it can feel, you can feel abandoned for sure. You can feel alone in the journey. You can feel like, nope, there's no one here. Um, And you know, it's so, my mom used to have this little, story or excerpt or I don't know what you would call it, but I feel like it's pretty common. Like I feel like some of you listening, I'll be like, I've heard that. But I think she framed it. I don't really remember, but I remember the story. And like I said, I'm sure you've heard it. I might butcher it, but it's about a man who was talking to God. It's about seeing footsteps, like footsteps on a beach, or it's like seeing the footsteps through the sand on this man's journey. 
and he's talking to God and he's like, look, that's when I was at my lowest. That's when it was the hardest. There's only one set of footprints. Like you left me. There's, I was alone on that journey. There's only one set of footprints. And God's like, no, that's when I was carrying you. That's going to make me cry right now. But I just feel like that. I just keep coming back to that story. <laughs> um, I just think it's so powerful. So yeah, what I've been learning lately is surrender. I'm also reading a book called The Surrender Experiment. It's by the same man that wrote The Untethered Soul, which I love. That book changed my life also. Um, his name's Michael Singer, but The Surrender Experiment. And it's just all about surrendering to what is and not putting our personal opinions on something of like, this is, this is happening and this is good, or this is happening and this is bad. This shouldn't be happening to me. This can't happen to me. Well, it's happening. So surrender. And the sooner that we surrender, the sooner it's over, right? If we can see everything as good or everything as a learning experience and we don't resist every single bad thing that's happening to us, our lives would get immensely better. So that's what I'm trying to do because I definitely used to be that person that when things would happen, I'm like, this is bad. This shouldn't be happening or I shouldn't have done this so that this wouldn't happen. And it's like, none of that matters because it is happening now. And so our only option is to surrender. Okay. The next question is a spicy question. Would, I don't even know, can I say these words on podcast? Would I... Would I vax my baby? Would I juice up my baby? Heck no. Heck no. That's my personal choice. You can do whatever you want to do. No one will jab my child ever, 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 ever. Um, It's the reason why we actually will be moving out of California when we have kids. In California, a few years ago, they passed SB 276, which is a bill that requires all children that are going to like daycare, preschool, or any kind of school, K through 12, and colleges to be vaccinated and to be fully vaccinated to the full extent of the CDC schedule, which is absolutely insane. Um, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like y'all are my people and I feel safe telling you this. I don't think I've said this on Instagram, but yeah, I'm very against vaccines. I, I was fully vaccinated as a baby though. I will say that I was fully juiced as a baby. Um, I do think it led to some issues down the line with my health, but I turned out okay. But guess what? The CDC schedule as it stands now is much different from what it was 30 years ago when we were babies. So I highly recommend you look into it. If this is something that maybe you're not familiar with or you haven't heard of or you want to do more research, you can listen to Candace Owens' podcast, A Shot in the Dark. It's absolutely incredible. She does all the research, so you don't have to. She lays everything out. It's just absolutely criminal what this industry is doing. So yeah, those are my thoughts on vaccines and babies. Um, Okay, next question is what conspiracy theories do I believe in? A better question would be what conspiracy theories don't I believe in? Because that list is a lot shorter. Um, The crazy thing is I think what a lot of people would call conspiracy theories are actual facts and can be backed up by like government documents that have come out. So yeah, that's really crazy to me. Do I believe in aliens? 
Yes, definitely. Do I think they're already here? Yes, definitely. Do I think they exist in the way that we think they do? No, probably not. Um, but as far as like conspiracy theories, like the government poisoning us, y'all, that's real. They are putting fluoride and chlorine and atrazine in our tap water. They're genetically modifying our food. They're spraying it with pesticides. They're spraying chemicals in the sky. Like those aren't even conspiracy theories. Those are real. But okay, if I if we're going to talk about strictly conspiracy theories, do I think that there's something weird happening in Antarctica? Yes, I do. Um, if you guys didn't know this, this is a fun rabbit hole to go down. Did you know that they signed something like a bunch of the biggest nations in the world signed something called the Antarctic Treaty back in 19 something? I don't have the actual dates, but the Antarctic Treaty states that basically even though we all go to war with each other, right? We all fight for resources and we all do this and we all do that. Somehow, all of the biggest countries in the world agreed upon the fact that no one should go to Antarctica. Why? That's weird. That's a fun one to look into though. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of other ones. Do I think that JFK was killed by the CIA? Yes, I do. I think that was done by our government. Um, do I think 9-11 was an inside job? Of course. Do I think we landed on the moon? No, I don't. I think that was completely fake. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. I don't know how many of you I've lost at this point, but those are my, my real thoughts. Okay. And a lot of them are, again, can be backed up by facts and evidence and documents. Wow. What? an episode. We covered hormones. We covered Jesus. We covered conspiracy theories. Like we're just unpacking all of my favorite things. Um, no, but for real, I just feel like this podcast is my safe place. There's a lot of things that I'm working on being more open and really stepping into my voice and my truth and my power on Instagram. But it's scary. It is scary. Once you grow a platform to a certain number, um, which sounds really silly and they're just numbers and whatever. And I shouldn't be afraid of what people think of me, but like, let's be honest. Everyone cares what other people think to a certain extent, not to mention like my income comes from Instagram. And so there is a certain, some rules that I have to follow. Also, there's certain things that you cannot say on Instagram. You know what I mean? So I just feel like this podcast is my safe place. If you have made it this far and you are still listening, hello, I love you. You are my people. You are in the right place. I am in the right place. And I'm just so happy you're here.